Hello, and welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source for unique jewelry and arriving trends to stay ahead of the fashion curve. I'm your host and jewelry guide, Brenna Pakes. As a graduate gemologist from the Gemological Institute of America with a degree in geology, I've been a consultant in the private retail sector for many years. Jewelry Navigator combines the intrigue of travel and exciting destinations from when I enjoyed an intermittent career as a flight attendant, now offering a new kind of departure lounge that guides you with insider tips on how to shop for, design, and care for your jewelry with confidence. You'll hear what inspires the jewelers and designers I feature to create outside the jewelry box with jewelry that complements your unique style and interests. To keep updated on weekly discoveries, subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator passport at JewelryNavigator.com. You can find show notes and weekly features here as well, and find daily departures for jewelry inspiration on Instagram and Facebook as well at Jewelry Navigator. Welcome aboard. I'm so glad you decided to join us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hey there, and welcome to episode number four of the Jewelry Navigator podcast, where April showers bring May flowers. In this case, the showers come in the form of crystal clear diamonds, the April Spurstone. For the entire month of April, I'll be talking about diamonds as well as sharing unique jewelry set with diamonds. But today's episode, we're shedding light on a few misunderstandings about diamonds. If you like today's episode, do me a favor and leave me a review in iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. I'd love to hear your feedback and I'll send you a special sparkly message to show my appreciation. To get things rolling, let's start with a little true false quiz and I'll explain the answers as we go. I also have a very special feature designer of the week who uses diamonds that glow to really make their jewelry sparkle. Shopping for diamonds can be kind of intimidating and mysterious, so I feel like it's my job to help you take that intimidation out of the equation. Okay, so here we go. Here are some of the most common misconceptions a lot of people have about diamonds. I'll just list them first and then we'll go one by one. The first one is diamonds won't break because they're really hard. The second one, Dark inclusions inside diamonds are really just little pieces of coal because coal is carbon and so is diamond. Number three, diamonds need to be set up high for the light to get through them. And number four, older diamonds are better than new ones. And in that I mean by the way they were cut. So let's get on and answer some of these true false questions. The first one Diamonds won't break. The good news about diamonds is that they won't scratch. Scratching and breaking are two different things. Being the hardest gem mineral used for jewelry purposes, diamonds are like the gemstone superheroes when it comes to resisting scratches. If you remember your basic geology or earth science scale, the Mohs hardness scale, it measures the general 
Hardness of Gems and Minerals, and it was developed by German mineralogist Friedrich Mohs, M-O-H-S, and that's why it's, it's named after him. It was developed in 1812, and the scale measures relative hardness of stones and minerals with a selection of 10 minerals, talc being the softest and the lowest on the scale at 1, and diamond being the hardest. In between 1 and 10, there are different minerals. Each one can scratch the one before it, and of course the ones before it as well. So there are more accurate methods to measuring a stone's hardness, but in the jewelry trade, for general purposes, the Mohs scale is the standard reference we use for a wearability guide for gemstones set in jewelry. In general, stones with a hardness of 7 or more or better, are good for frequent wear, meaning if you wear them on a daily basis, like for engagement rings and things like that. The higher the hardness, the better they hold up to scratching. The scale isn't linear, so with each mineral being the next step doesn't necessarily mean that it's just one measure of hardness away from the stone before it. For instance, the mineral corundum, which is the mineral that ruby and sapphires are, is 9 on the Mohs hardness scale. So even though it's right before diamond on the Mohs hardness scale at 9 and diamond being 10, diamond is 4 times harder than corundum. Besides hardness, toughness is another measurable characteristic that determines a gem's durability. Durability is the overall rating to how well gemstones stand up to frequent and long-term wear. Even though a diamond wins at 10 for hardness to resist scratching, its toughness is lower. Toughness is how well a gem or mineral stands up to a hard hit, whether or not it would chip or crack. And Diamond's crystal structure forms with perfect cleavage, which means the molecular bonds between the crystal structure layers are weaker in a particular direction, making it easy to fracture if hit between those cleavage planes. So, the answer to the first question, diamonds won't break, is unfortunately false. If you hit it just the right way, they will break. And even though diamonds are hard, their toughness, which is different than hardness, the toughness measures the resistance to breakage from force, is lower. And just like I said, if it's hit hard enough on those cleavage planes, the result is a fracture or a chip on the diamond. Okay, on to the second true-false question. You know, sometimes when you see a diamond and you think you can see little dark inclusions or dark something inside the diamond. That's what we're going to talk about next. And some people know that diamonds are carbon, pure carbon, and so is coal. It's a little confusing that those two may or may not be mixing. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the second one. And what do you think if it's true or false, the dark inclusions inside diamonds are little teeny specks of coal? Well, simply because a diamond's chemical makeup is basically pure carbon, like we were just talking about, doesn't mean that the inclusions you can see are coal. Most of the inclusions you see inside of diamonds that are dark inclusions 
are actually little diamonds themselves or crystals of other gem material that was trapped inside of the host crystal or the larger diamond. Garnet and peridot are common crystals known to form inside diamonds during the formation of the host diamond crystal, which is pretty cool. I have some really great pictures of some diamond inclusions that I'll include in the post coming up on jewelrynavigator.com. So what you see as a dark inclusion is probably a dark included crystal or a cluster of small dark crystals where coal is actually an organic mineral. And according to geology.com, which is run and established by a geologist himself, stated that diamonds are dated to be older than the plant materials from which coal was formed. So there's no way that there could be flecks of coal inside of diamonds. So the answer to our second true-false question is false. Dark inclusions inside diamonds are not little specks of coal. One note about inclusions, they're not a bad thing. A lot of people feel like they need to have a perfect diamond when a lot of inclusions are kind of what I call friendly inclusions. <laughs> they're not a bad thing to have and they actually help us as gemologists and jewelers identify diamonds and to tell whether or not what we're looking at is a cubic zirconia, a diamond, or even a clear sapphire. Inclusions somewhat serve as an identifying mark, kind of like a birthmark, and I chose to highlight the dark inclusions because they're most obvious and notorious when we speak of inclusions. There are so many other kinds of inclusions that are really fascinating. In fact, there's one that I'll feature in the blog post that looks like a unicorn trapped inside of a diamond. It is really a cool inclusion. So I'll include that along with the other included stones with other gemstones that are inside the diamond. The next misconception about diamonds is that they need to be set up high for light to get through them and to sparkle. It's hard to imagine that a diamond can look good unless it's set up high for enough light to get through it and to sparkle. The optical properties of diamonds though allow them to sparkle even if it's set flush or low in a setting, kind of like a bezel set ring. And if you don't know what that is, I'll include a picture of a bezel set diamond in the blog post. This is because of how diamonds are cut and because they have a high refractive index. A refractive index is an optical measurement that's specific to transparent materials, and it's used as a main identifying tool in gemology. Each gemstone has a signature refractive index determined by its crystal structure and how quickly light travels through it. And a diamond's refractive index happens to be really high compared to most other gemstones, which make it much more sparkly. The other component that makes it unnecessary for a diamond to need to be set up high is the precision of its cut. Cut is one of the four C's, like the alphabet ABCs, used to evaluate a diamond's grade and is probably the most important to how a diamond looks. 
The four C's are cut, clarity, color, and carat weight. Today we kind of talked about a little bit about clarity and this C is cut. It can get really technical quickly and scientific. So briefly, I'll just explain a little bit. Diamonds were, were originally faceted or cut based on their natural crystal form, which is a double-ended pyramid called an octahedron. When it was cut in half, it created the base shape for the diamond, and from there, the first diamond cutters faceted the diamonds with the standard 58 facets that we have to, in today's round brilliant diamonds, but with a more squarish primitive shape and they were actually called old mine cuts. You may have heard of the old mine cut, and apparently the name originated with the diamond discoveries in Brazil. When diamonds were discovered in other sources, the Brazilian mine stones became referred to as the old mine stones or the old mine cut diamonds, and that's where the early faceting began. Since then, the science of faceting has evolved into more mathematically precise methods where the cutting of a diamond strives to result with the most brilliance, fire, and sparkle. When light enters the table and crown facets of a diamond, which the table is that flat top facet on the very top of the stone, and the crown are the facets that surround it, Light refracts and reflects through and around the bottom or the pavilion of the diamond, returning light back through the top of the stone in the form of brilliance and fire. So brilliance is the amount of contrast between light and dark reflections inside the stone, and fire is the dispersion of light into spectral colors. So sparkle is also known as scintillation, and that's the reflection of light from the crown or the top facets of the stone. So the way a diamond is faceted and how well it is cut determines how well light bounces around and comes back through the top. So uh, once again, the answer to our true false question is diamonds need to be set up high for light to get through them is false because they don't. They're kind of magical that way just because of their refractive index. And if they're cut really well, they sparkle no matter how or where they're set. Before we get to our final true-false question, did you know that diamonds can glow? Yeah, they can. Some of them can. Some diamonds exhibit a characteristic called fluorescence, which when they're exposed to ultraviolet light, they it's act, and actually it's a test that we use to help identify diamonds. When they're exposed to ultraviolet light, they will fluoresce or kind of glow a neon purplish blue color. And some of them actually fluoresce different colors like red, and orange, and yellow. It's been debated whether fluorescence affects the appearance and the value of a diamond. And some diamonds that fluoresce actually look hazy but most fluorescent diamonds don't show any indications of the phenomenon, which would make it less appealing, even though it does have fluorescence. So if you have a black light or next time you're at a venue with an ultra, ultraviolet lighting, look and see, look down at your diamonds or your diamond jewelry and see if they fluoresce because it's really, really cool.
Most jewelers avoid using diamonds that fluoresce, but there's one who uses them to mimic the night sky. And this week's featured jeweler is Patrick Mose Jeweler in Wyzetta, Minnesota, and they create a line of skipping stone jewelry. What's special about this line of skipping stone jewelry that they make is that each stone is created from an 18 karat gold stone and it's set with diamonds that fluoresce and they set them in the formation of a constellation, which is so amazing. I'm an avid sky gazer and about lost my mind when I saw their skipping stone jewelry line and how the diamonds glow or fluoresce. Patrick Nelson and Mary Kay Mose are the husband-wife design team at Patrick Mose Jewelry. They received an award that's a pretty big deal from the MJSA, that's the Manufacturing Jewelers and Suppliers of America, the MJSA Award, or the MJSA Vision Award for Professional Design Excellence for their Night Sky Necklace a one-of-a-kind 18-karat gold and diamond necklace. The necklace sold, but had 17 individual 18-karat yellow gold skipping stones, each representing a different constellation. The necklace, hold, the necklace held 149 fluorescent round diamonds that glowed under the black light, just like constellations in the night sky. Even though the skipping stone necklace sold, they still make single stone skipping stone pendants. And word has it that the constellation collection will be expanding. So it would be so wonderful to have a ring and be able to look down at your little constellation glowing. So what's your zodiac constellation? Mine's Leo and I love finding him chasing Orion in the sky. Usually, I can see him best in the fall and the winter, but anyway, you really should check out the Constellation Skipping Stone Jewelry that Patrick Mose Jewelry does. You can find them at patrickmose.com. I featured their Skipping Stone Jewelry in an earlier post on the blog, so you'll need to check that out, but I'll also include pictures of their night sky necklace on the blog post. On to our final true-false question. Older diamonds are better than modern cut diamonds. Are older diamonds better than modern cut diamonds? Theoretically, modern stones are better because of the reasons we discussed earlier. But as with any gemstone and jewelry, it's all a matter of preference. Some people love that an older diamond has history, but if you want the most sparkle for your buck, stick with the more modern cut diamonds. Speaking of old diamonds, the Hope Diamond is on permanent display at the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in DC. And like many stories of gemstones and jewelry, it's shrouded in the legend of a curse. What do you think? Why do you think it's locked up in a museum? Well, watch for a special feature when I visit the museum to see the diamond up close, and I'll let you know what I find out. There's so many more things we could address when it comes to diamonds. And if you'd like to hear more or have a specific question, please reach out in the comments in iTunes or send me an email or message in Facebook or Instagram. I'm on both platforms at Jewelry Navigator.
I'm on Twitter at Jewelry, N-A-V-I-G, the number 8-N-R. The show notes are in the form of a blog post to be posted in a few days and includes many of the sources that I use to refresh my memory and along with some really cool pictures of diamond inclusions and you won't want to miss it if you love to geek out about what's inside of a diamond. So a real quick recap of today's true-false diamond quiz. Number one, diamonds won't break. Diamonds will break if they're hit the right way and they typically won't scratch, but they're still an exceptional gem choice for frequent and daily wear jewelry like engagement rings, but they're not impervious to damage. Don't wear them if you know you're going to be banging around a lot, moving things, or like in a garage using hammers and power tools. The second question, we talked about inclusions, especially dark inclusions. The dark inclusions inside diamonds are not chunks of coal. They are usually small crystals of diamonds or other minerals that were trapped inside the diamond when it formed. Number three, diamonds need to be set up high for the light to get through them. Because of a diamond's optical properties, when cut and faceted correctly, they don't need to be set up high for them to sparkle. And the last one, older diamonds are better than newer ones. Diamonds faceted over a hundred years ago will look different than today's diamonds because of skill and faceting advancements, making them more efficient at refracting and reflecting light through the top and sides of the stone, making the choice of an older diamond one of preference and appreciation for a stone with history. So that concludes our true-false questions. I hope it helps you demystify a little bit about diamonds. Join me next week when I share a conversation with Mark Knobloch of Aaron Knobloch Inc. Diamonds and Jewelry, where we talk more about diamonds like how the Kimberly process prevents circulation of conflict diamonds and what the most important qualities are for selecting a diamond. You'll be surprised at what he shares. So that concludes our first discussion about diamonds. I hope you join me next week. Until then, cross-check your safety clasps and earring backs. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.